0: Love talk
1: radio. The ball is and there you Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Way in Sports Talk. And and one day of this week I had one shining moment and it all went to crap on Friday. Just like probably the majority of your brackets. But thanks for joining us today. I still love March Madness. That's why they call it Madness, because you can you can be up high one day and you can be I was sitting in a the movie theater watching my hopes and dreams just go down the toilet, but I'm still in second place though, and that's what's weird is that you know my national champion is gone, so it's really going to be hard for me to win. With Michigan State out, Kentucky out right now, I'm just a sitting duck, I'm just waiting to be taken out. Jonathan, man, hope your March Madness is is going well. What do you think so far? I mean. Has it been a boring tournament to you in a way, or is it or is it just me?
2: Well, I'd say that it's been
0: fun from the standpoint of we've had a lot of upsets, and that's what everybody's been looking for. Uh, but some of the games have just been kind of dull. Um, I have found this uh, round of 32, the second round, whatever you want to call it, the game to be a little anticlimactic. Uh, you know, Villanova is just boat racing Iowa right now. Uh, so, I, I think, you know, I'd like a little more drama. i like a little more finishes like that Northern Iowa game. That Northern Iowa game was a great finish.
1: Yeah, that was pretty sweet, wasn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. But, but do, you, do you see a
1: Cinderella team out there right now that has a chance to really make it somewhere like the Elite Eight or Gonzaga? Gonzaga right now? or the number 11 seed, and these guys look like the best team in college basketball right now.
0: Yeah, I had them as a Sweet 16 team uh, before the tournament started. I thought they were, you know, in a good bracket for them to make a run. And they're a really good team. Uh, A lot of senior uh, leadership, guys who know what it takes to get it done, I think Stephen F. Austin right now is a team where I think they can win today and make, make it to the sweet 16 as a 14 seed. And, you know, that, we're talking about uh, an offense. Yeah, I mean, Stephen F. Austin has a top 10 offense and defense. This isn't a team that just snuck up on people. He, they should have seen them coming because mm-hmm. they've been making it to the tourney a couple of years now. So I, I like Stephen F. Austin, and I think Middle Tennessee State. I think they get to the three sixteen as much as that, you know, eeks at me because I have Michigan State as my champion too.
1: Yeah, Michigan State and I wanna discuss this with you, Jonathan, and 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 I I've seen people I can I can argue either way, but we we were here Sunday when they released the bracket. And by the way, what a disaster was that, the way they tried it first of all. Charles Barkley and them. Um that was the worst thing I've ever seen. Trying to go through to find out which sixty-four, whatever sixty-eight teams are going to make it. Right? I mean, I like the old way where they would go region by region, and then thirty minutes you would have your bracket. Then they would discuss it. But the way they did it this time, it almost killed me. So, whoever leaked the bracket, thank you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. The show was uh, was atrocious.
1: Let's talk about Michigan State. I thought they should have been a one. Um, They were two. They ended up playing a middle Tennessee team that would have just skull drug any 16 seed. I mean, there's a difference to me between the 15s now than, than they in years past. And also there's a big difference between playing a 15 and 16. And I think Michigan State, after winning that tournament, the Big Ten tournament, I really think they, they looked, they let down a little bit, and when they tried to get the fight back in them, it was just too late, and Middle Tennessee just kept answering them. Anytime Michigan State would get close, all of a sudden Middle Tennessee would, would take care of business. I mean, is it fair? Do you think, is it fair for me to say, had Michigan State been a number one seed, since it's never happened in the history of basketball, and I think they should have been a one seed, they would be in the tournament today headed to the Sweet 16 probably?
0: Uh, I think you're right. I think I uh, I have no disagreement with that. Let's just say you flipped them with Virginia. I I think they beat Butler to get to the C sixteen. Um, so with that being said, I don't I, I agree that I think the seating of Michigan State was wrong. I also agree with an article I saw in Yahoo Sports this week that said middle Tennessee State was seated wrong. Um and then I've been hearing from a lot of people and this kind of makes sense to me. Uh, you know, the more you think about it, I mean, it's a conspiracy theory of sorts, but you ever thought maybe the committee gets the seating wrong because they know without the upsets, why would people watch a tournament? You know what I mean? Why would fans of CNF Austin watch if they didn't think their team could win the first round? So I think there's a point to that argument. It's, It just sets up great controversy, and it's a shame that Valentine's career had to end with arguably his worst game of the season.
1: Yeah, and this Middle Tennessee team is not bad. I'm telling you, they're not – it wasn't a fluke. That game was not a fluke. Middle Tennessee came to play, Jonathan. They had some talent. I mean, they they could hang right in there. Did Michigan State play their best game? No, but – but was the game a fluke? I don't think so. I think they'd have beaten about anybody they played that day. That's how well they played. Foul trouble for Valentine really killed Michigan State, hurt their rhythm and everything. And here we have, I'm just don't know, and I think Kentucky right now, you know, we argued, both of us agreed there should have been a three seed. They were a four. What that meant was they ended up having to play a five seed right there. Into the, the tournament, which ended up being a pretty good Indiana team, right? Instead of having to play a six seed, and let's look at the six seeds in the tournament. Arizona, they got beat. Notre Dame's going to get beat today. We got Seton Hall, they were out, and Texas, they were out. So there's a big difference between those teams. And let me give you some five seeds here, so you can ponder on them a minute. Not that you probably don't already know. Maryland, Indiana, Purdue, which Purdue lost. And Baylor, Baylor lost, but there's a difference to me between a five and a six seed in in some brackets. And I think in this bracket, just say, just say they were West Virginia. They're in the same bracket. I think Kentucky and West Virginia are in the same bracket, right? No, no. Yes, they are. So yeah. Just say if we put West Virginia as a three, they'd have played Stephen F. Austin. Would that have beat them? Honestly, I don't know. Probably, uh, but but today they'd be playing. A, another Notre Dame team instead of of Indiana, and I think that's a difference right now. Indiana was pumped for that game. They they got to play Kentucky, you know that's a rival for them. And trust me, I'm not I'm not trying to defend Kentucky. They got beat because of what you said earlier in the season that your fear of Kentucky was they didn't have a big a big man really down there that could play in the post, and and it showed. You can't just win with guard play alone, Jonathan. You have to have a score down low, and they have great guard play, Kentucky does, but it's just not enough to win tournament games anymore, is it? You have to have a little bit of everything, and especially be great at your guard play to win. And Kentucky just lacked an inside presence on offense. They couldn't, it just was ineffective.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, you and Murray, you can't take anything away from them. Uh, they played extremely well. But you didn't get the big game out of the VCA, and defensively they couldn't really do anything about Bryant. And you know, I, I honestly I think you know Kentucky did get hosed a little by the seeding because if you think about it, if you switch them and A&M because A&M somehow got a three seed, if you switch them to uh, Kentucky's looking at Northern Iowa instead of uh, Indiana. I mean, you know, CBS did it, and well, the committee did it, and don't think the committee doesn't do it. We all know why they did it. They did it because they wanted that matchup. Same reason why A&M got the police in that bracket. They were hoping that Texas was going to beat Northern Iowa to get the Texas-Northern Iowa game that we haven't gotten since uh, their realignment of the conferences. So, you know, it, it, for the for the committee to tell us otherwise, it, it's just a lie. We all know that that was a manufactured seeding for TV ratings. And it's just completely it kind of jacked a couple teams.
1: And Calipari wasn't happy about it. And he's not going to make excuses, but we all know the truth. The truth is the seeding has been screwed up for this entire tournament, not just for Kentucky and Michigan State. A lot of teams misseeded. Right now, just an update, Villanova, 81-62 over Iowa with two minutes left. Villanova, watch out for them. They're starting to play very well. And uh, a lot of good games left, man. I mean, this is a good tournament. I love March Madness, Johnson. But you made a point last night, I saw in your post, about all year we've argued who's the better conference. I never said the Pac-12 ever. you never heard me say that. But I did argue Big Ten. I did mention the Big 12 and the ACC. But when you look at this tournament right now, how could you say that the ACC is not the best conference in America right now? If they're just... Rolling right now with Virginia in the Sweet 16, North Carolina's in the Sweet 16, Miami's in the Sweet 16, Duke's in the Sweet 16. Do they have any more chances of getting in the Sweet 16, or is that all?
0: Um, I so believe that's it.
1: No, Virginia, Goodness. Virginia could get in. So Virginia right,
0: got in Virginia? last night. Okay. My. Miami got in, North Carolina got in, anywho. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's just, I've been hearing the argument all year, whether it was the Pac-12 network, Um, whether it was the, uh, you know, obviously there was a debate that we we talked about with the Big Ten. You heard ESPN, who was talking about the Big 12 all year. Look, folks, the ACC is clearly the best conference as far as basketball goes. I don't think we can debate that anymore, and I think they're proving it this tournament. You saw the top two, top two teams in the Big Ten, you know, the title game teams went down yesterday. Um, we're only yeah. seeing one team from the SEC with a shot to make it to the C-16 now. The Pac-12's got, what, Oregon, and that's it, because Utah got bounced last night, and the Big 12 only has Oklahoma and Kansas.
1: drugs. Utah got skull drugs last night. I mean, that wasn't even close.
0: It wasn't even close. So, I mean, I I think, you know, and the Pac-12 as a whole has had a really bad conference, has had a really bad tournament. Um, You have the Big Ten who, I mean, you want to tell me they're having a good tournament. Their their top team just got knocked out. The only team they have left, Indiana, uh, to make a shot because Iowa just got drilled. So, I think, you know, the argument has been settled. It's kind of like with college football. Every year, somebody's trying to find a conference better than the SEC. Let's be honest. I mean, we've all done it. And you know, I, I'm a Florida State fan, so I, you know, I, I lean a little towards the ACC and say we're a good conference. But I know top to bottom, we're not better. I know that the Big 12, the Big Ten, top to bottom, is not better. You know, it, it's it's stupid to try and say otherwise. So when you're talking about your best, and it really it's your best conferences all around, you're gonna have the ACC, and you're gonna have the SEC. That's that's those are the top two big dogs when it comes to your major sports. So it's you know to to argue otherwise is just futile at this point. It really is. I mean you can try, and I, I hat's off to you if you think you can come up with a with a decent argument for it, but you're wrong.
1: And, and, and back to seeding real quick. If the seeding was correct, you would think that in Vegas, in a neutral court, that a six seed would be favored over a 14 seed, right? I mean, in a perfect world, seeding was correct. That sixth, team, sixth seed means they're top 25 teams. You're playing a team, what, in the top 56 then, right? So, six mm-hmm. sixth seed should be favored. Stephen F. Austin is favored over Notre Dame in this game.
0: Yeah, well, and... <laughs> You know, it's funny you bring that up because Gonzaga was favored over Seton Hall. Now, think about yeah. that for a second. And 11 was favored over a six. They were a – I believe they were a pick-em, if not favored over Utah, Utah, who was a three seed. Oh, they were, they were favored over Utah. Yeah. Yeah, so and I'm sitting there looking at it going – the the committee has to know they kinda of jack up the seating and if under if teams who are in the double digits are favored over your high seats.
1: Yeah. Quinn, you're in the queue if you want to impress him Quinn just left. He must be upset because we're not saying Notre Dame's going to the final four right now. But Notre Dame is going to the maybe the women's final four. I don't know. <laughs> just just yeah, I mean. Yeah, the seating's wrong, man. It's just wrong. The seating is not right. Um, not all the – I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not I – th- I think you and I, honestly, and I'm not saying this arrogantly, but you and I could have taken these teams that they gave us, right, just just even Vanderbilt included, and we could have seated these appropriately, and I think that we would see better matchups right now than what we're seeing.
0: Oh, I, I agree. I mean – I'm looking at some of these mid-majors, and I was wondering how they were double-digit seeds. I mean, I thought Gonzaga uh, what, what should have been a nine seed at worst. Uh, the fact they were 11 just you know was kind of a slap in their face and embarrassing. So we, we, we saw where they screwed up big time in some of the seeding as far as teams like Gonzaga, as far as teams – uh, like Wichita State, who we, you know, I think proved they should have been a higher seed, you know, but at the same time, they manufactured it right. I mean, Arizona was a sixth seed, and they just ran into, the tough, you know, one of the toughest eleven seeds they're going to run into. And that's where the Pac-12, uh, I mean, the Pac-12 got kind of hosed because their four-seeding Cal, who's a good team, runs into some injury issues. You know, their starting point guard breaks his hand. Uh, Bird, their other guard... Uh, you know, catches uh, some sort of sickness right before the game starts. But they run into a Hawaii team that should have never been a 13th seed. Hawaii is a very good team. Uh, you know, you have Arizona runs into Wichita State. You have Utah who runs into Gonzaga. I mean, the, the committee did the Pac-12 no favors this year.
1: No, they, they didn't. And uh, there's some terrible matchup that they had, I could have made this tournament better. You should have, too. It's just this bracket, I don't I – mean, it's so political. Uh, maybe it's just because we're in a political year, electing a president and all this old Trump stuff going on. But this committee, uh, I don't know what they were thinking on some of the matchups. But, again, nobody's perfect, and, and they. I guess they did the best they could. I just don't think you have the right people in that committee uh, on the committee, Jonathan. I think in order to be on the committee, you don't need to be a guy that never played basketball, never coached you. You need to be a player or a coach. You need to understand basketball and understand teams. You need to be able to tell the difference between a middle Tennessee team being a 15 seed and a Michigan State team being a two. You just have to have a basketball IQ good enough to tell you that. And A lot of people think different. They think well, Michigan State losing that first round shows the committee got it right. No, if that was the case, then put Michigan State a 15 seed in. you know, or mm-hmm. Middle Tennessee. The, the, the fact is they missed it. And and when you miss seeds, just like John Calipari said, you penalize the other teams. Really, what you did was penalize you were supposed to be penalizing Middle Tennessee for having to play Michigan State as the two seed when they should have been a one. But, you know, sometimes a squirrel, blind squirrel finds a nut. And Middle Tennessee was that blind squirrel that day. And Michigan State was the nut, right?
0: Right. I mean, you know, I agree with you. I think the committee does need to be redone. Uh I had conversations about it for uh, off the field with a good, uh, good friend of mine, somebody I consider to be very knowledgeable in, uh, in basketball. Um, and we agreed that they need to redo the committee. They need to put guys on it that would know what they're talking about, that are going to look – that actually watch the games, know the teams. You know, and for all the grief we give somebody like Charles Barkley, I think if you put Barkley on the committee, he'd become a college basketball expert. I mean, he's open about saying, look, I don't have to know anything about college basketball until I get to March Madness. My job is to know the NBA. So I think you put somebody like Barkley, maybe you put like a Magic Johnson – Uh, you know, you get, you know, coaches out there who know what they're talking about. You know, I I think that's what the committee should be doing instead of having these athletic directors. I mean, you got two Dukies. You know, everybody wonders why Duke gets favored when it comes to seating, And it's just like everybody wondered why for the longest time Kentucky was favored. The old head of the committee was Kentucky's athletic director. No wonder they got all the favorites when it came to seating. So you see these kind of things time and time again. And the committee, you know, the NCAA, not really the committee, NCAA has you know, will not address these issues. And until the NCAA addresses the issues, which I doubt, uh, you're not gonna see a change.
1: No. I am not I'm not for this committee, but hold on, let me bring Quinn in. Quinn's with us in the studio. Quinn, welcome to Way In Sports, how are you?
2: I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, well, what do you think of this tournament so far, my friend? It's been crazy, but uh, Notre Dame's still alive, so I'm happy. We'll see if they can win. It's gonna be tough,
1: even if Austin. I know you guys team. have been hating on them, so we'll see.
2: <laughs> uh, we just hate on them
1: because we knew you were listening. That's why we hate on them, Quinn. But, but you know. <laughs> Stephen F. Austin's better than a fourteen seed. You have to admit that. They're, they're a very good basketball team.
2: Yeah, they could be. It's just about team heating not too. It's about value work. What have they done all season? If they get hot, hot on the right team, on the right, uh, um, on the right time, then that's them. But. Uh, just like kind of like Gonzaga, they wouldn't have gotten in if they didn't win their conference tournament. Well, they won it, and they're hot. So, I mean, some of it is just about teams being hot. I, I mean, I hate the committee, but to think that they misseeded all these Cinderella teams that are doing well, I can't jump on that bandwagon. Oh well,
1: well, but well, but I think they misseeded Michigan State, and and you saw what happened to them, and. I think they missed City, Kentucky.
2: Oh, wow. wow. They were still a two seed. They still should have won. They still should have won. There's no reason why. I don't know. They still should
1: have won. But, McQuinn, there's a big difference between a 15 and a 16 seed. There's a big difference. Yeah. So, I'm saying Michigan State wasn't prepared to play that game, and and they they overlooked a, a middle Tennessee team that was probably a little bit better than a 15 seed, probably. You know, Michigan yeah. State came in, thought they were going to run all over them, and then the next thing you know, boom, you're out of the tournament. Had Michigan State been playing uh, a 16 seed, do you think they would be alive today in the C-16? Yeah, I
2: think, I, I think for sure they would have probably advanced, yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's, where I, that's what I'm saying yeah should Michigan State have won being a two seed yes yes I mean everybody in the world just about had them predicted to win the, the national championship so yeah they they should have been a one seed and they should have taken care of business but Kentucky what do you think about the Kentucky Indiana game
2: I uh, uh, I I did pick Kentucky to beat Indiana but I did think Indiana could do it the rivalry there and uh and then I also, and then I also thought people may have been putting a little bit too much into K- Kentucky, so it didn't really surprise me.
1: another so name in the ACC guys, in yeah. So, I so keep forgetting a chance, they are. Uh, yeah, I do too. There's a chance that the ACC could have five teams in the Sweet 16, if I'm not mistaken, Quinn. I mean, what does that say about the ACC conference?
2: Yeah, well, Jonathan and I have kind of been saying, and after that tweet he put out last night, I said, yeah, they've been the best all year. Just the ACC is so deep, they're more evenly matched. So the the top teams are going to have multiple losses because there's so much parity in the conference. So it may not look during the regular season that they're the best conference, but come tourney time, they're the most battle-tested teams out of any other teams in the na- in the nation. So,
0: you know, I forgot about another yeah. team in the ACC that has a shot, and that's Syracuse. I completely forgot about them because I, oh, I didn't uh, think they should have gotten in, but. They're in the ACC as well. I mean,
2: you know, what, what, how deep do you want us to get? You know what I'm saying? Wasn't Syracuse, the like, the ninth team in the regular season, ninth team in conference, I think? They were yeah. way down the list, and they make so, it so in the M.A. So, Syracuse, day, another name,
1: Six mm-hmm. Has that ever been done
0: before? Uh, As far as I know, no, but, you know, this tournament's going on a long time. Uh, But, I mean, if you think about it, 16 from one conference in the Sweet 16, just be absolutely nuts. I mean, the only other time I think it might have happened would be the early 2000s when Georgia Tech and, uh, and Wake Forest were really good, Pair them with Duke and North Carolina, Maryland, North Carolina State, it might have happened in the early two thousands when you had the four North Carolina schools getting it done.
1: Yeah, I, I can't believe it. I can't. I forgot all about Syracuse and Notre Dame. That's insane.
2: Yeah. People That's wanted to bring up the there. Big Twelve, but the Big Twelve showed they proved that they weren't battle tested.
1: The, the the Big Twelve is equal to Mitt Romney, right, Clint? <laughs> Choke artist.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Choke artist. SEC is not a choke artist because they sucked and everybody knew <laughs> all year that the SEC was terrible. We all knew that. We knew Kentucky had a shot to make it um, to the turn, or to the final four because they're Kentucky, but the SEC is so bad. that Vanderbilt. Wait, Johnson, you were crying on air the other day when Vanderbilt got in. They got beat by 30 in a play-in game. I mean, <laughs> and, and the and the NIT. I mean, Alabama gets pistol-whipped in the NIT tournament, and it's just I don't know who's left in the NIT from the SEC. The SEC so bad, LSU they didn't go to the NIT. They didn't even want to go. Like, we stuck to bad. We just got to stay home. Uh,
0: it's always sad when you got more teams in the NIT than in the tournament.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. But let me tell you a surprising team to me, and maybe it's, it's not a surprising team to y'all, but Miami, the way they play, I, I really thought mm-hmm. they could have lost to Buffalo, even though I didn't pick it. But the way they handled Wichita State, a good basketball team yesterday, Miami, with that matchup against Villanova, I think that's a good matchup, Jonathan, for Miami in that game. I think they match up well. I think they may have some... You get an edge inside on Villanova, and Miami could just go to the Elite Eight.
0: Yeah, I definitely think there's a strong chance of that. Uh, inside, they should be able to dominate, um, and I think that is something to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, that's Miami's just outplaying every expectation I had of them at the end of the day. You know, I thought they was going to lose to Wichita, um you know, I didn't have them getting to the Sweet 16, so hats off to Miami. As much as I don't care for them, um, and, and making it and and you know doing what they're doing because they're they're winning, and they're winning with great point guard play. They're winning with good job in the with, you know great play in the post from their big guys. I mean, this is this is a really good team that I think a lot of people took for granted because the, the last time they came into the tournament and they were Dead Nuts' favorites after sweeping the SEC regular season and the ACC tournament. Everybody was like, oh, well, this is the same Miami team. Apparently not, because they're pretty daggone good right about now. Uh, And really impressed. They're letting teams hang around, but they're showing that they can put them away when they need to. And I think that's the bigger thing right now. It's not about who you can blow out. It's how you win the game. And every time it gets down to and we saw yesterday against Wichita State, they got a left area at the end, and they showed – Great poise um, and, and pulling the W out. I mean, just great job all around by this team. Jim has done a phenomenal job coaching up a team that is full of transfers. And that's a big thing with Miami is they're not killing the recruiting trail. They're bringing in guys from other schools like Rodriguez is from Kansas State. And he's, a, he's their best player. He's done a heck of a job. I mean, really impressive what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I love their coach. I like I like the way he's built this team and the way the resolve they have. And you're right. Is when, when somebody gets close to them, they don't fold. They don't freeze up. They they get hot again and they, they separate from the other team. But if Oregon wins today, the Pac-12 number one seed in the tournament here, if they get past St. Joe's, they'll be playing Duke. And um, I know that game's out west, guys, but but looking at Duke right now and seeing how strong the ACC is, do you think Oregon gets the case of, Johnson, do you think they freeze up a little bit? I mean, Oregon's not a team that's normally in the C-16, and Mike Krzyzewski seems like he knows how to, to make adjustments. Now you give him a week to prepare for Oregon. I think Oregon could be in some trouble, and a Duke team that, that we thought could be bounced early in the tournament could end up in the Elite Eight. And um Looking at the pac cross performance so far, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Oregon fell out today or next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, o- Oregon's been a nice story all year. They've done a really good job, but this is still a team that, when they're not at home, I don't care if it's neutral court or not, when they're not at home, it's a very shaky team at times. Um, I-, I think, you know, Duke could take them down, but uh, they would need another big game from Plumlee, and Plumlee's been phenomenal this tournament. Uh, there's no way they're in the position they're at without Slumley, uh doing the things he's doing. I mean, he dominated inside. He's scoring. I'm uh, really impressed with the way he's playing, especially after a little bit of a lackluster ACC tournament, and really the whole season. So, I think he can give Oregon fifth. I think Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard can give Oregon's defense fifth as well. Grayson Allen's playing on a whole nother level. And Duke's a scary team right now for anybody.
1: All right, guys, I need y'all's help real quick. I need a five-team parlay for the games today. We have, I think we have one, two, three, four, five, six games left today, right, or seven games? How many is left? Should um, be
0: seven unless one of them just started. Seven
1: games left. All right. All right, I need your, your top five picks of these games. Here's the point spreads and here's the games, and I need both of you to weigh in. Notre Dame, a two-point favorite over Stephen F. Austin. We have Oklahoma mm-hmm. six point favorite over Virginia Commonwealth. We have A&M seven over Northern Iowa, Syracuse six over Middle Tennessee State, Xavier five over Wisconsin, and we have Maryland seven and a half over Hawaii, Oregon seven over St. Joe's. So, Jonathan, I'll start with you. What five do you like the best?
0: Uh, I really like Oklahoma today. Um, I I I just think they're they're gonna come out and not be faced at all by BC's defense and uh, shut them down from three point range. It's two offenses that are actually kind of similar. Um, uh, if I'm gonna go another one, I like Xavier. I think Xavier is a really good team. I don't think Wisconsin's all too good. I mean, we saw they like, their first team since I want to say 2001 to win a conference uh, win a tournament game scoring less than 50. You know, they beat Pitt, uh, scoring 47. Um, I like Oregon. I think St. Joe's had a nice game against Cincinnati, but I think Oregon's going to run them out the gym. After that, it's tough for me. Yeah. I take Middle Tennessee in the points. I, I don't think Syracuse really that good. I think Middle Tennessee is a pretty damn good team, Uh especially after what I saw. Their offense is just – it can be electric at times, and they – to beat Syracuse, you have to be able to go inside and out. And Middle Tennessee showed they can play an in out game. Uh, and then if i got to go with a fifth team out of all that, I'm going to take my shot on Stephen F. Austin. You know, Quinn, I know you hate hearing that, but I'm going to take my shot on Stephen F. Austin. They're a very good team, top ten offensively and efficient and defensively. Notre Dame's defense is and, and poor, to, to be kind. Um... And I, I think they can get up at Notre Dame and take them
2: down today.
1: Quinn, what do you think? Uh, what
2: what's that Oregon point spread? again? seven. I take Oregon. What's the Oklahoma? Seven. Six. Six. Uh, I take Oklahoma. Oh, I take. Ooh. I think I take Hawaii in that seven and a half or seven point spread over with Maryland, and then I think that was. Okay. Yeah, hard to I think I take. All what other games are there?
1: Oh, uh. <laughs> ah, damn it. That's good. We got you. We understand where you're coming from, Quinn. We understand. So I'm not going to do the um, Notre
2: Dame. I'm not going to do the Notre dame
1: Stephen Austin
2: game. Oh, stunner. What
1: about A&M-Northern Iowa? A&M-Northern Iowa. A&M-7.
2: Oh, yeah. And um, I think I'd take A&M. Good. Yeah,
1: I think I would, too. All right, I just want to jump you guys' input on what you think. It's um, tough, to, tough to pick these games, man, with the points spread the way they are. It's just very, very tough. Well, anything in basketball you guys want to keep talking about right now before we move on and maybe get into the NFL or college football a little bit?
0: I don't know. No, I don't think there's anything different. I mean,. The NIT hasn't shaped up to be all too fun, or else I'd bring it up. I mean, it's it's been boring. Teams are getting at it, uh, doing what they got to do best, but you know, it's it's just not the same as the tournament. It, it's been good for gambling, don't get me wrong, if you know what you're looking for, but it has not been a a great NIT to watch.
1: Well, I want to bring up some college football stuff that Georgia just adopted a policy. If you'd like to call in, the number is 646-716-5564. would love to hear from you, get your opinion on some things. But Georgia adjuster policy will now block transfers to certain schools. And I really don't have much of a problem with this, Jonathan. Um, I know Mark Rick didn't care. He said, life's too short. You know, that's what he always says. But I think there is – it's like in business sometimes, you – you know, you're, you've got a lot of information to a lot of information uh, for these for these schools. And if you're Georgia, you play on Georgia for a couple of years, you, you see everything they do, and now you want to take your talents to Tennessee next year. I have a problem with that. I don't mind you going to play in Wyoming or USC or somewhere, Jonathan, but I like Kirby Smart's policy with this. I don't think people should just transfer where they want to.
0: I agree. I actually had this conversation last night with my with one of my buddies from Michigan. We were talking about a player uh, for Indiana's basketball team who's a graduate transfer from Michigan. And I said I was not a fan of that. Um, I'm not a fan of guys transferring in conference uh, from the standpoint of, I get to learn everything about the inside of that program. Now I'm going to leave, go to a different school, and don't think they're not going to ask any questions about it. You know, they it's going to be one of the first things they do is, hey, you know, you, you played here and tell us, you know, intricacies about the playbook. I mean, naturally, that's going to be the conversation. That's part of the reason why the the school you transferred to, you know, accepted you. So um, I'm not a fan of that at all. You know, I think Georgia, by enacting this policy, I think they did a good job, a solid job of doing it because it just, it covers them, it protects them from anything getting uh, hairy, you know, just you saw all the kids from Auburn that transferred to Georgia, and you're sitting there going, well, that's one of their biggest rivals. I mean, there's something about that, that just don't smell right. To, especially, you know, defensive player, he knows what the offense is running in practice. He sees it all the time. So it's not like, you know, oh, well, he can't give them pointers to help them out. Yeah, he can, and he will. I don't think he won't. So I definitely think uh, Kirby Smart did himself a, a huge favor in enacting this.
1: Yeah, Quinn, what do you think, Beth?
2: Yeah, I agree with it. Except, I think graduate transfers is a whole lot different than somebody that's a freshman or a sophomore transferring. But yeah, I do. I agree.
1: Well, even with a graduate transfer, that's even worse because they they know for four years of what you're
2: doing and everything, and then they take it still to the if, they, if they if they want to go if they want to go get their master somewhere else or something, I. I totally get that, I I think that's a whole different situation.
1: You get your master's at Harvard. Uh, go to, what is that, ICC Tech Online or something. I don't know, but that's where you want to get your master's. That's well, where you need to my go. Whole,
0: my whole problem with the graduate transfer thing is you're transferring to a school. Those guys who graduate transfer aren't transferring to go get their master's somewhere else. Let's Let's be honest for a second. Uh, You know, Everett Golson did not transfer to Florida State because they offered a better degree in underwater basket weaving. No, he wanted playing time. uh, Right. That's what most of these guys are doing. They're transferring to play. So uh, I think there's a limit to to it. I mean, the whole point of the graduate transfer is you have to transfer to that school that does not offer a program that yours does. So, you know, Golson to make the whole graduate transfer thing kosher and why, you know, he can't just go to any school he wants to, if not, if he's transferred to Florida State for a degree that Notre Dame offers, that's not allowed. But he can transfer if he's doing it for a degree that they don't. So that's that's where it gets a little hairy. And you know these kids aren't yeah. even up and changing their major after getting their bachelor's. Because he's not planning on going to school another like two or three years to get another bachelor's, and right, he's transferring to play. That's the only reason behind it, and that's why I think they shouldn't be allowed to transfer in conference. I don't think you should be allowed to transfer to a school like that that you're playing in that next season and you know as you might play him in a bowl game, you might play them in a bowl game but if you play him in a regular season i don't I don't think you should be allowed to go to that school
1: yeah, it's a lot of uh, there's a lot of variables with this, and I appreciate your guy's point of view because there's really no right or wrong answer. it's just I think it's ethical, really. The ethics part of it, to me. And I, I know it's football. People say it's kids. It's a game. But, my God, these schools are making millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's not a game anymore when you're talking about that kind of money, is it, Jonathan? It's not a game when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars going out to these conferences. And it's not a game anymore, guys.
2: Not,
0: game. not only that, but... To the coaches it's not a game, it's their career. I mean, if you know you can cost the coach his job with a loss, I mean we saw with Les Miles, if he loses to A and M at the end of that year, he's probably fired. So, you know, there there are certain circumstances where if a coach is on the hot seat and one of his players leaves, he winds up losing the game to the said player, that could be the game that gets him fired. So I, I think, you know, that's that's why you you have to utilize the discretion have these guidelines set up to to prevent instances like that? Well, and I mean, Clint,
2: the thing is, though, is coaches coaches go to rival schools all the time. So, I mean, a yeah. lot of these schools are going to already have the inside scoop because coaches are going to these rival schools.
1: Damien Craig is a great example of that, right, Jonathan? With the uh... National Championship Game. He knew ever played Florida State was was running at first half, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Uh, so everybody tells me I just I hate to think that's what happened, but you know, you, there's there's a chance that it did, and you know, you, well, you see it from time think. to time. I mean, Craig's at LSU now, so and I understood the move. It's a it's a career move, but it's.
1: A career move, really? Yeah. I mean, you understand that move laterally going to LSU to, uh, now instead of blowing Malvon, you're blowing uh, Fisher or uh, Miles. Really, it's all—it's not a career move when you're laterally moving all the time. To me, and he's
2: moving. To me, and he's moving from his alma mater.
0: The, it's a career move because let's face it an offensive assistant under Malzahn is not going to get the credit that an offensive assistant under Les Miles is going to get. You know, That's Craig, true. if he wants to be an offensive coordinator at a big-time program or a head coach, needed to get out from underneath the Malzahn umbrella because everybody knows Malzahn's on that offense. You ain't doing nothing. I'm, I'm glad he left
1: uh, because besides recruiting. I'm glad he left besides that because that receiver getting catch a cold with him there. I don't know. No, he should is. have been
0: a receiver's coach. We all know that.
1: He be a, yeah, he should be a quarterback's coach. Or something. I, I mean, mean I, I don't know, but receiver's coach, he is not.
2: <laughs>
1: no, no, no. no, Trooper, no he Trooper, ain't. Trooper Taylor, Trooper, Trooper Taylor tried that, too. All <laughs> he did was wave a towel as that guy was dropping balls all over the place. He'd wave his towel like up <laughs> and down. Uh, yeah, but now Cody thickening. Burns
2: is there, so. I, like I think that.
1: that's a great move. It's, it's not good for recruit. Now, let me tell you something. Damien Craig, what hurt Auburn right here is is now, and it hurts Florida State and it hurts Alabama, now he gets the part of Alabama right there that he owns. It's like Damien Craig territory over there. Now LSU is going to wrap up and protect that, that, you know, it's like that inventory, this is mine, and that's going to hurt. But I think Cody Burns comes in the first year, if Auburn, and I think they're very, very talented at receivers, they can just get somebody to throw it to them. And if they catch and have yeah. big years, I think Jonathan Damien or uh, Cody Burns could be the new up-and-coming hot thing on the recruiting trail. And and he's a black coach, and I think that means a lot. And people don't realize that race does play a factor in this. And, and I, I think Cody Burns is a very intelligent coach. He's a great player. I mean, he's unselfish. He did what he had to do to win. Jonathan, if Cody Burns comes in the first year and Auburn's receivers are very successful, how does that play into recruiting for the next year?
0: Oh, and it's going—it's going to play off huge for him, and I think it was a good hire. And anytime I think you bring in a player like Burns, who spent his entire career at Auburn just trying to win, uh, I think that helps out the program because he—you know—he's got the loyal ties. Because Auburn never quit on him, so why would he quit on them? Um, you know, so I think it's going to help. I think him you know, ha- going to Auburn, he's going to be able to tell the recruits exactly what's going to happen. Here's what's going on. Here's what we're going to do. I mean, it, it's, it's phenomenal. I thought it was a great job of Malzahn to bring in somebody that he thought, and honestly, I think he can trust. And I you don't know?
1: think Malzahn really clicked with Damian Craig and I don't think Craig quit with Malvon. I think, you know, it's just like, I think Malvon's too much of a micromanager, and I think mm-hmm. what micromanaging symbolizes to people is, we. Well, I don't trust you, and that's really what it means. I was at a leadership conference this week, and in, in the professional world, when you have a boss that micromanages your every step, that means they don't trust you, and that's really what it means. Um, and I think, Danny Fick took it as, hey, Malvon doesn't trust me, and I'm not going to get credit for anything because it's all going to be him. Mm -hmm. I I agree. That
0: was my chance downfall.
2: Yeah, I agree. And uh, and, um, Cody Burns uh, worked with uh, Gus when uh, Gus was the offensive coordinator, so I think they have a connection there, too, which I think helps. And yeah, I think on um, big reason why he did leave is because, well, he did want the offensive coordinator job, and then I don't think he was getting the credit that he thought he deserved. So, he I mean, pretty he much said I'm going to leave.
1: I mean, look, you're not going to be an offensive coordinator position hopping in throughout the SEC. You're going to get an offensive coordinator job by going to Memphis or going somewhere smaller and and being successful as an offensive coordinator there. then you'll get a chance to come in into the SEC. Nobody's hiring him because he's just a job hopper. That's what he is. He's a he's a pom pom guy. He's a cheerleader on the sideline right now in people's eyes, a mascot. And he can refuse
2: and, uh, to the best of it. And he's gonna and Gus is gonna ride and die with Rhett Lashley. He won't let mm. go of Rhett unless Rhett left for a head coaching job. So I mean that's also yeah. part of uh, it.
1: And let's let's let me ask you guys what you think. And and John Franklin III. I know Jonathan has his education about him. He knows about him. I just look at the kid's weight, 174 pounds. And I'll start with you, Jonathan. Is this big enough to run the Auburn offense in the SEC? 174 I mean, pounds. Nick Marshall was six foot, two hundred. He was a kind of a small guy, but he was fast. He could take some hits. But Franklin third is he big enough to stay healthy for an entire season? If you're Auburn, are you putting all your eggs in that basket?
0: Well, I think he has. You know, I mean, he's a quarterback. Quarterbacks are used to taking big licks. Um, I, I think he can. Um, you know, and that's part of the reason why he was brought in. Um, th- you know, they're gonna put weight on him. I bet you by the time the season starts, he's gonna be a buck eighty five. Let's let, let let's call it spade a spade here. Uh, if, you know, if, he's if, gonna put on
1: that weight. So I I
0: don't know if I disagree with that, but you know, I think John's gonna put on the weight. I mean the the kid's got yeah. a good frame for it. Uh he you know, I, I don't think you're looking at a wide receiver type build kind of guy. I mean you know Nick Marshall was Nick Marshall was a little fella um and, and he was able to run it, run it successfully so i, I think you know franklin would be all right with it you know he he definitely wasn't made for a jumbo system that became kind of evident after a while
1: the pro style
0: no no not at all
2: oh. and, <laughs> and those, those Glenn, Glenn, what do you think style? about john franklin and the those- and those elusive guys are harder to get a clean, a clean hit on. I mean, because they're moving around and by the time you might get a chance, you're not going to get probably a head-on, really hard hit on them. No, so, I mean, and on, I I'm think okay. Conison, and I you think Jonathan's right about he'll put on 10 to 15 pounds, maybe even 20 pounds.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking 20. And I'm thinking, if you do it right at that age. But let me tell you this: Is there a chance when the Jeremy Johnson? Because I don't want to hear that. What's the other quarterback's name? The one you Sean White. you love so much? Please <laughs> Yeah, Sean White. But I don't, I, I don't, I don't ever want to see him or hear him again. But well, let's let's pretend this. What do you think if Jeremy Johnson is named the starting
2: quarterback? What are your initial thoughts right now? I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking. I hope to God that role. I hope. I, no, I hope to God that when he got hyped last preseason, he can put the other. And then I'm thinking, okay, we just <laughs> we just have to somehow trust uh, Gus's decision here. And yeah. I mean, I you would be Jason scared, Campbell? but at the same time, I would be, I would, I would be uh, somewhat hopeful. You know, I, I would Oh, Jason Campbell. Remember
1: Jason Campbell?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and he had a bad he first had a junior year. junior season. Yeah. Yep, yeah, it was
1: terrible. And then as a senior, he came in and led Auburn to an undefeated season. But here's what I If I'm guessing I was on, if Jeremy Johnson wants to play quarterback for me again, he's going to train. With, I'm, I'm serious about this. You're going – to the to the Navy SEALs for training. That's what you're doing for about three months. And when you come back, you're not going to be afraid to take a hit anymore. You're not going to be afraid to make a decision anymore. You're just going to let it rip because what you've been through for three months, Jonathan, tell me if I'm wrong, wouldn't that be perfect to put Jeremy Johnson? I would like to go train with him for three months. If they'd let me without having to commit to anything, but just three months Navy SEALs training, what do you think Jeremy Johnson would look like coming out of that?
0: Well, I mean, I think that'd be a good idea because I think part of Jeremy Johnson's, I think part of the problem with him last year was mentally. I don't know if mentally yeah. he could handle the pressure uh, and, and everything yeah. that came with it. So I think putting him through a training like that would, would do him wonders, um, you know. And obviously, we saw, you know, his. I, I mean, I hate to talk about this, but he 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 don't seem like he's in the greatest shape of his life. So. For him to run Gus's system, I think he needs to come in rock solid. I don't care how you get to being rock solid. Just come in rock solid, son. I mean, Dalvin Cook came into the spring, you know, spring practice serve in Florida State and my God. I mean, boy, looks jacked like nobody's belief. That's, this is a kid who's you know been physically growing you know every year he's been at Florida State, and I think that's what you need from Jeremy. You need to see progress not only uh, physically, but you really need to see it mentally. You really do, because mentally I think that was the, the part of his game that suffered the most, because we all know he's got every tool when it comes to his arm. And he's got a phenomenal arm. And, uh, he just needs to know how to use it right. And
2: have and Cam come pads, talk to him about reading pads, defense. Guys, oh,
1: hold on. If, if you look at his pads he was wearing, it was like, oh, my God, how could you even move your arm or run with that that much weight of pads on? I think Jeremy Johnson, besides being mental, I think it was he couldn't take a hit in spring. He didn't have to worry about Jeremy Johnson. That's why he looked so phenomenal. He didn't have to worry about getting hit and getting blitzed and getting put on his back. Um, but, you know, when the game started and he had to take a hit, I noticed right off the bat he was afraid. And when he took a couple of hits, he, usually people take a hit, they oh, okay, I made it through it, I'll be okay. Or well, he, he would get scared even more than before. And I think his pads cut down some weight, lose about 15 pounds, trim down on those pads, and run the football. That's what he's going to have to do and make better decisions mentally, like Jonathan said. There's no excuse to be afraid when you're 6'6", 240, 50 pounds. I mean, I don't understand what you're afraid of. I mean, that's why the Navy skills training would make him he would relish contact, would not he, Jonathan? Just, Just go in there and take a hit. Who cares? You have all these pads on, and you're bigger. I think Jeremy forgets he's He's bigger than the other guys out there. I think he thinks he's a midget, and when he gets hit, he's going to fall apart or something. I don't know. But or even I talk he Cam. Rough. Have
2: have Cam come in for maybe for a week in the uh, season and just sit down let him, talk to him about what it's like being a bigger player at right. the quarterback position. Tell him how to read defenses, and, and just maybe that will help talk him a little bit.
1: I think Cam may be too cocky right now for the Jeremy Johnson. And, plus, I don't even know if Cam can read defenses after watching that Denver game. Uh, Uh, Well,
0: I don't know if I disagree with
2: that.
1: But he will. Cam will be back. That's going to be the best. That Super Bowl loss is the best thing that ever happened. But if you're you're Auburn and those two options right there don't work, Quinn, you're left with uh, Woody Barrett. He's a freshman left-hander. The guy can ball. But, again, a freshman quarterback in the SEC and that kind of system—I don't know. I mean, I'm not big on the freshman quarterbacks. I've never been. Auburn's in some big yeah. trouble if if one of these two don't work out right now. Jeremy Johnson is going to have to have a breakout year, or this Franklin the third is going to have to do what Nick Marshall did. And you know, when Nick Marshall was there, that offense was deadly. And now with the yeah. fullbacks that Auburn has, two developed yeah. fullbacks with all this experience, they have a tight end. They have a good offensive line and the backfield is loaded. Auburn could be that same team, Jonathan, as they were in 2013 right there. That could be the exact team with a much better defense because I look at yep. Auburn's that defense this year and I promise you guys they're loaded. They're loaded, Jonathan, yeah. on defense. Uh, yeah, but,
0: I mean, they recruited really well. They got all the talent for on their defense. Offensively, it's just, can they put everything together and can they utilize the receivers? I mean, they have some very talented receivers. They brought in one in Nate Craig Myers, who should honestly get some playing time this year. Uh, and the running joke was, wow, he went to Auburn. He must enjoy running the jet suite. Um, You know, so they need to try to find a way to get that talent on the outside involved. That's going to be a big issue. If they can't throw the ball downfield, then, I mean, what's the point? You know, so I think, you know, it's all going to come down to how that offense is, you know, actually progresses. And Gus has got to realize early in the season, you know, by let's say week four, whether or not he's got to change the offense up, um, you know, to try and save his defense. If the offense isn't going to score 40 points a game, well, you're going to have to slow it down a little bit to, to save your defense's legs. Because if not, you're just going to keep running them out there and they're going to get run out the door.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um,
1: Quinn, I think Auburn this year, the biggest improvement is going to be at quarterback. It has to be. But I think that defense, if you watch the last few games of the season, and you saw that Auburn defense, you have Carl Lawson coming back, Montrevious Adams, all these red shirts that are coming back, and just everybody that's coming back. This Auburn defense is going to be a lot better. Especially as, yep. like Jonathan said, if you're not scoring 40, if Auburn's scoring 24, Auburn's going to be able to win some football games with this kind of defense they have, and the kicker. Don't let's don't forget how good their kicking game is. Yeah,
2: that defensive line is going to be is going to be nasty.
1: It is, man. That's and, and guys, you can go back. You can go back in all these shows. You never heard me talking about nasty and Auburn defense except the results of the game being nasty. But I'm talking about <laughs> a nasty kind of defense that this team's going to have right here, guys. This is this is what they finally built up to. They're still thin at linebacker, but I think they can get away this year and get away with it and keep recruiting it. But I think Will Muschamp did a lot of good for this Auburn team. I think he got that, you know, got them all the, all the candy asses out of the program, got them tough again. Now they bring in a coach that kind of, he resembles Will Muschamp's philosophy, but yet without all the screaming. I know the players are really responding better not being screamed at like they're in boot camp, you know, this year. And, and I really think I really think Franklin III is going to be the quarterback at Auburn this year. I think he's going to be good. I think they're going to be. So, they're going to see. They're going to go down the field. They're going to go down the field by the running game. The running game is going to open up so much in the passing game, and I think that's where Nate Craig Myers comes in with some big plays and everything. I think Auburn is your sleeper because nobody's talking about them, nobody cares about them, and they're not going to be talking about them. You think if Auburn opens up with Clemson, Jonathan, in Auburn, and they beat them, and then the third week they play LSU and beat them, all of a sudden Auburn's three and zero. And they just got to be beating Clemson and LSU. And I, I think people are just automatically putting Clemson a winner against that Auburn game. And, and I'm an Auburn fan, so trust me when I say this. That first game, this first game is not last season. People are going to have to remember that. Clemson's not Clemson. It's not the same team. It's not the same chemistry. And it's sure not okay. the same Auburn team. What do you think if Auburn starts out 3 and 0, Jonathan? You think they'll have people's attention?
0: Uh, Auburn starts out three and zero. Somebody's going to put them in the top five. Let's let's be honest about it. Uh, you know, so if you start even even the if they by... lose to
1: Clemson, even if they lose, just say they lose to Clemson and Clemson runs the table undefeated, and Auburn gets better and starts winning their SEC games, Auburn will be in the playoff team because they did play a Clemson team like that. They'll get a strength of schedule not.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I, I, that Clemson game is going to be big. If they get run out of the building. You, you can forget about anything. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, I don't know. 2013, too many dominoes fell the right way, and I don't know if that can be replicated. Um, you know, it's not very. It's not every day you return a miss field 109 yards for a touchdown, and <laughs> you know, thro- you know, you throw a hail mary that bounces off two defenders' hands and finds a way into the fifth string receiver's arms for six. So. I, I do think that if Auburn gets run out of the building against Clemson, you've you got to get worried. And maybe, you know, it's the whole, well, there's always next year. And you hate saying that, but, you know, we all do. Especially, you know, for us that are fans of, of winning programs, you hate saying that. But that's, that's just the reality of the situation. So that Clemson game is going to be able to tell you it's going to set the temperature for your season.
1: But, Jonathan, let me back up and go to this. And I know those two miracles happen, but flashback with me to the Iron Bowl, the way Auburn was able to move the ball on Alabama running the football. And let's go back to the SEC championship game where they put up about 600 yards rushing on a, a Missouri team that was not giving up 100 yards a game. That flow—that's what I, I kind of mean by that kind of system. With it, when when you can run the ball like that, nobody can really beat you. Florida State beat Auburn because Florida State was just a more talented team. I think they had, and they mm-hmm. you know Auburn kind of froze up there and just quit trying to score for some reason I don't know. But and you don't allow a hundred yard <laughs> kickoff return either. You don't you don't you don't do stuff like that. But but, but what I'm saying is it's all you build it inside. Auburn's game's got to be built with the fullbacks. Those are those are huge positions that, you know, last year playing two true freshmen at fullback is going to pay dividend mm-hmm. this year. You remember Jay Frosch, don't you? He was just mm-hmm. he was just so yep. effective. People forget the fullback, how good they are and how important they are to that style of offense and the tight end especially. And I think if they can get rolling with a running quarterback that can throw accurately, and I'm not talking about 40%, I'm talking about a 60 65% passer, man, you could be in some trouble you're trying to stop Auburn because their running back, their special, uh, their uh, skill players are, are going to be phenomenal. And, and I just want to talk about Auburn for a minute because I know I know the perception right now, Malzon's going to be out after this year. I think you better watch out, be careful, because I think Malzon could could put college football on his back the first week. Could you imagine Quinn coming in at Auburn knocking off Clemson to the start of the season?
2: I, I will love be, at that. That I'm game, gonna be at that game. I'm going
1: to be at that game. I'm going to be at that game. Yeah, I will. Well, maybe I can meet you for the first time then because I'll be there too. And, and Jonathan, I know you'll be pulling for uh, Auburn in that game too because I know you hate Clemson.
0: Oh, God, yeah. Are you are you, you kidding? Know, and it's funny, it wasn't for you guys because, you know, my I have a dear aunt who went to Alabama. So, you know, Auburn was, ne- it was never really one of those teams I pulled for. If it wasn't for y'all, I, I never would have thought about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, my my love for Clemson is, well, well there ain't none. <laughs> I mean, you know, I had a good buddy who played up there back in the day, and I actually know a kid who plays there now. And it's just, I'm sorry, but I don't I don't love y'all that much. I-, I can't do it no more. I
1: can't. <laughs> Well, guys, let's move off to college a minute and talk about Ravens' tragedy that happened. I don't know if y'all heard about it, but Trey Walker, 23-year-old corner for the Ravens, was killed Friday. And uh, that's some that's some sad stuff, man. He's riding a dirt bike, I believe. and And here's what I've always yeah. said. You know, my dad rode a motorcycle, and I don't know why. He lived as long as he did. He had a couple of wrecks, and lucky to be alive, but... Why are, you on, why are you on a – and let me say, and I'm. this is no disrespect to this guy, but why are you on a motorcycle, Jonathan, if you're in the NFL, you're young? Why are you on a motorcycle? Do you not realize that that people around this country can't drive? They can't even speak English, most of them, but they can't drive a damn car.
2: Okay? I'll tell you, because and, people at our age don't think of that stuff. They don't think of what possibly could happen when they get out there. They just trust that nothing will happen. They trust that it, a crash won't, an accident won't happen to them. Yeah. And, but,
1: uh, and people don't, well, I could get on, you know, if the roads were empty, I'd get on a Harley and speed around and go 100 and do all this. But the problem is that idiot that, that runs a stop sign or a red light or comes on your side of the road, if you get hit on a motorcycle, you're dead. Just about There's, There's a very He wasn't good even chance. wearing a helmet yeah. He wasn't even wearing a helmet But if you're not wearing a helmet You sure ain't going to live There's no chance oh. My dad was in a, in a motorcycle wreck Where I mean And this was going in 35 miles an hour he, His lungs collapsed He broke all of his ribs leg I mean it was just like How in the world is this guy still alive And, and he was lucky He yeah. was very fortunate a lot of people that have, I know a, a number one surgeon, one of them in the world in Alabama got killed on his way home from, from work on a motorcycle. I mean, it's Jonathan, we are uh, going to start outlawing motorcycles for the least people in the NFL? Or if your, your job requires you to, to be able to walk or to be alive, maybe you should ban the the use of motorcycles for people. Because uh, I'm, I'm just not doing well. this.
0: I mean, it's a tragedy and it happened in my state, so it's gotten plenty of press coverage. And he's a year older than me, so of course it it hits you a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's 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 a shame. It is an absolute tragedy. My condolences to his family, friends, teammates, coaches. You know, er, everybody uh, whose life he he was a part of. Um. Now that being said, I do I do know a lot of people that rode that ride bikes. I do know a number of people that have passed away from uh, motorcycle accidents, dirt bike accidents, and in the NFL, I know after the Kellen Winslow incident where he um, he damn near lost his life. I know a lot of teams were writing in the contracts, you know, you can't you know go skydiving and you can't you know ride a motorcycle. You can't do this, you can't do that, just because we're investing so much in you, we want to make sure you know you're you're, you're safe. Um, and I'm okay with that. And, you know, I think if there's anything to take out of this this tragedy, it is that wear a damn helmet. I mean, come on. Wear a helmet. You want to ride your bike, you go ahead and ride your bike. Okay? But people who go (laughs) skydiving, people who are in war, people who play football, baseball, hockey, they don't wear a helmet because they know they need to wear this helmet. And that's how you stay alive. Uh, if you do take a shot to the head, is with this helmet. Okay, wear a helmet, please. If you gonna go do it, I don't ride bikes myself. i have never been a fan of the whole two wheel thing. Um, but if you gonna go do it, please wear a helmet. You know, I mean, you know, my my uncle got into go na- uh, a wreck out in Colorado that should have killed him, but he was wearing his helmet and he was wearing the approved Kevlar pants and jacket and walked away fine. You know, he should, he should have broke his neck and died. So just wear a helmet. Wear the right gear if you're going to do it. Please. Just just stay safe. That way we can try and avoid, um, you know, the tragedies like such where somebody loses their life at way too young of an age because of a simple mishap.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's terrible. It's just terrible. And I think Quinn's right. People don't, when you're that age, you feel invincible, you know. I mean, I get it, but. I've always been, you know, I rode a dirt bike before, and I was in a field, and I hit a hole, and I went flying probably 50 feet, 60 feet, and landed on my helmet on my head, but I wasn't, didn't have a scratch or anything, but had I not had a helmet, i had been dead, but that kind of taught me that motorcycles can be dangerous, especially if you put them out in the crowd, you know, I mean, you go out on the highways and stuff like that. That's where I, I have the problem with, because I'm telling you guys, I went to Chicago this week, and these schools can't drive. I don't care. if People say people oh. in the South can't drive. I'm saying people <laughs> in Chicago can't drive. Okay? Now,
2: now, ima- now, imagine, now imagine with snow and ice. Imagine with snow and ice how bad it is Here.
1: When people are driving. Quinn, when, <laughs> when you're in Chicago. Are you close to Chicago?
2: Uh, I'm like an hour, hour and a half from Chicago. I'm not far at all. Have off. you ever
1: seen a city that, I mean, seriously, the people can't drive. I mean, they can't drive at all. And I don't see how you could because there's no room to drive. And it's, all it is is people honking their horns and cab drivers. and I mean, it's a, it's a nice city, I think. Chicago was. I mean, I enjoyed the walking around. I went to the Armani store, and I went to the Under Armour store there, and ate some nice restaurants. But as far as the people and the hospitality, and man, those people are jerks, Quinn. I mean, these people. I'm sure it's similar I to know. New York. People are just rude.
2: Out east, out east, it's even worse. I'd say out east, it's worse. The driving's even worse out there. But but I mean, yeah. I mean, the driving is pretty bad here but it's not as bad as it is in Naples, Florida, where all the old people are. Not as bad as there, but yeah, it's pretty bad. I me, I'm I know it's bad in the South.
1: Trust me, I, I drive here, and look, <laughs> I know people can't drive in the South, but it's funny how people up yeah. north saying people in the South can't drive, and I'm I'm here to tell you, hey, I, I've seen your cars, too, and I've seen them. I saw about 12 wrecks over here while I'm walking down the street people. I'm like, good lord, what are these people doing? The only thing is they yeah, can't was, go fast enough to hurt anybody.
2: Yeah, the South is a lot is a lot more slower paced than like the the Midwest. They're they're a lot more laid back than the Midwest. People are people are in such a hurry here. Well, I mean it's funny y'all bring that up because I, I
0: was I used to work uh with a guy from New York and he hated driving in Florida. He said Florida drivers are so aggressive and they're just trying to get where they're going, but it's like, well, yeah, most of us are trying to get somewhere. I mean, that that, it, it, that really surprised you. But uh, I, I do have my grievances with y'all Northerners because y'all come up down here and we've got a 45-mile speed limit and y'all want to drive 40. And that done drives me nuts if I'm trying to get somewhere because we try to time everything just right, and y'all are just down here going, mm, "I'll get there five minutes late." Nah, get their own time. I'm gonna be late as you late. Get their own time. I'll figure this noise. So yeah, no, I I see what y'all saying though. I mean, we we do have our uh, our share of poor drivers, and I mean, if you go through the news, it's not like Florida isn't picked on enough. So.
1: Yeah, Florida does have some crazy drivers too, but uh but Quinn I did like Chicago though. It was it was all right. It's was a, uh, yeah. As Trump long towers. as you don't go Trump towers.
2: Yeah. As long as you don't go in the bad areas, it's a really nice city. Really good uh restaurants and stuff.
1: Yeah, you choose the blood of the Crips. I had to decide, I had to make a decision. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, Brian.
1: But Quinn, Quinn, have you ever been to the Trump Towers over there?
2: No, I haven't been. It's
1: pretty nice. I'm, you know, we're in the politicians. We got a presidential election, and I haven't heard from Quinn. Quinn, who who do you support right now in this presidential election coming up? Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? Or what do you? It, it
2: uh well I am more conservative but all the the pe the well the main person I did like is, is dropped out so I mean uh, uh I don't like Cruz <laughs> and I don't like Trump <laughs> I'll probably go with Kasich because even though we, I know he pro- he won't get it but I I'm not gonna support Trump who I think is full of hatred, and I'm not going to support Cruz, he, who is just as big as a phony as Trump is. And I, and I, and I want to ask you about Trump Up quick. What has he said to make you think he's full of hatred? Just, just curious. Some of his comments about other races and then some of his comments about women, he comes off as a bigot. He comes off, and he sometimes comes off as a racist.
1: You think so? I mean, like, like his hatred towards what has he said about the only thing I've heard. And tell me if I'm wrong, Jonathan. And, and when you tell me, it just seems like you know people say he doesn't like Hispanics. No, he just doesn't want. He has a lot working for him. He just doesn't want people illegally coming into this country. And and, and I know it sounds bad, like you know the the rapists and the drug dealers. But really, that's who's coming into that country. And uh, and I don't think he's a racist. I think he could be a bigot. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, I think know, they all are. Yeah. As far as being hatred and everything, I just don't. I just don't agree with what people, some people say in CNN and stuff like that. But is he a good candidate? Probably not. I mean, none of them. Cruz can't be trusted because he just sounds like he's on TBN waiting to take up a love offering or something trying to get you to donate to his money. Every, everything he talks about, like he's trying to, like I could hear the music with the dog in the background being up for adoption, being beaten, and you take <laughs> a dog home, you know. That, that, that,
2: that,
1: that's what Cruz reminds me of. And, and Hillary Clinton, I just can't support her for for all she's done in office. And Bernie Sanders is a socialist, so... So, Quinn, we don't have many choices here in America, man.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. That's why it's sad. I mean, I was so looking forward to being able to vote. And then until all the candidates got revealed, and now it's getting even closer, and I'm like, dear God. Quinn, i, I got to think... ask you, because you're in Wisconsin,
0: Paul Ryan, I mean, there there's still an outside shot that he gets a Republican
2: nomination.
0: What do you think of Paul?
2: I like Paul Ryan. um Physically, I would say he's really smart. I mean, I actually would be kind of shocked if he did get it and he wanted it because he could have ran for president and he didn't want to because he likes to stick with like uh, the budget stuff and that's more in his wheelhouse. I, I'm, I'm not really sure how he stands on anything else because you really don't know outside of the budget. Stuff. I think he would do well, well uh, with the money, but I don't, I don't know how he would do well on everything else. But I mean, out of all the can, out of the the shit, the crap show that's going on right now, uh, I, I, he would maybe he'd probably get my vote.
0: <laughs> okay, it's good to know.
2: So I'm gonna tell you what. What's gonna happen
1: is. Jonathan, what's going to happen is if he doesn't get the, all the the votes required and they go to this convention, what's going to happen if he has a huge lead over all these people and he's not elected? Well, when he says there's going to be there could be riots and stuff, I think he's right. I don't think he's saying to go riot like CNN's saying, but if you, if you tell the American people that their votes don't matter and you put somebody else in office, I will never support the Republican Party. I'm all about well, the people, there's the a majority. Of if, if, that if, if the majority, came if, 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 yeah, there's a chance of it. But I'm telling you, if, if, if they do that, then the Republican Party has a zero percent chance of ever winning another election. Like hell, they may fall apart, and Trump's gonna would go independent and possibly win or at least beat the Republican Party. But Jonathan, what would you think is, if your your vote? Just say you voted for Trump. And, and the majority of the people did, and all of a sudden the GOP says they're going to give another candidate, like Kasich or somebody that's won Ohio, and that's it. What would you think of that?
0: Well, Being obviously American. there there would be some backlash, and the the <laughs> the interesting part of the political climate this year is that there is a chance that, that could happen for both parties. Um, so, you know, I think this is a topic that needs to be broached, and I think people need to understand what's happening here now. Uh, you know, the, the, with the Democratic side, uh, just going from there because that 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 situation is a little more cut and dry, if you will. It, it's all that that whole hinges on whether or not Hillary gets indicted. The minute Hillary gets indicted, they got a brokered convention, and it's it, it's gonna be a meltdown and a half for the Democratic side because she was overwhelmingly I'm, she's I'm, going to she you go. Know,
1: I think she does get indicted, by the way, Jonathan. People think I'm crazy, but I think she gets indicted by I
0: don't think I don't think it's crazy to think that. So if that happens, they're going to have to have a brokered convention, in which case Joe Biden, oddly enough, uh, might be the representative of the Democratic Party. Now, looking at the Republicans, the GOP doesn't want Donald because he's not a gop let's be honest. Donald's not a, um, a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. That they're looking for, um, you know. That you know. That's why they were pushing Rubio. Rubio's who they've been training for the position for you know, the puppet. longest time now. Yeah, he's uh, a puppet. Trump. Trump doesn't need their
1: money, and that these people control these guys with money, and they say you do what we tell you. We'll let you do this. Trump comes out. Hey, I'll buy you all up and kill you. It doesn't matter. You know, I will support my own campaign, and that's why the Republicans. They thought it was a joke to start with. That's why they didn't take it seriously, and now look at him. And the people say the Democrats aren't afraid of Trump that they'd win. Well, if that's the case, why are they so scared? Why are they throwing everything they can to get him out? They're scared to death. If Donald Trump wins the Republican side, he will win the election, and everybody knows that. CNN tries to tell you, oh, Hillary will beat him. Well, Trump if
2: Trump becomes president, I— I think he'll get assassinated well depending hey, who the do VP not say is. that on
1: this radio. Quinn, Quinn you'll end up in jail saying that on this radio be careful man
0: oh sorry I mean people have to understand <laughs> and this is it sounds like a joke but it's really not presidents only get assassinated if people are okay with their VPs I, I'm you know, and it's like oh how can you say that well because it's true um Nobody went after Bill because nobody wanted Al Gore. Nobody went after George W. Because nobody wanted Cheney. And nobody's gone after Barack because nobody wants Biden. I mean, if somebody really (laughs) wants to get the president, don't think we can't get to him. We've seen it time and time again in our nation's history. Okay? It can be done. And that's a scary thought if you're running for that office. That is something that has to be talked about before you decide to run, I imagine, is would you be okay if somebody uh, took a shot in your life? Um but you know, I, I think that's you know the whole. You know, I think honestly, my whole thing with Trump has been he can be the first president to quit. Uh, he could spend a year in office, find out that nobody's going to work with him, and just say, you know what, I'm done. I, I you know I signed up for something else. You got you know there's a reason why nobody trusts politicians. The political process is broken because you guys don't want to do, uh, do do a damn, damn thing. So you know I think if you if we get two brokered conventions. There is a strong chance that we could see Paul Ryan running for president against Joe Biden. Now, does Donald Trump still have a shot at running as an independent? Does still have a shot at running as a Republican? Yes. He does. But, you know, that's the thought right now. So you can have two guys who aren't even running right now be up for the presidential election. You want to talk about voter apathy. There's your voter apathy. No the guys that weren't even running are in the general election. Well, then what do we even have primaries for?
2: Yeah. And then
1: Democrats would be so upset. Yeah, go ahead, Quinn.
2: And then, can I bring up the thing in Arizona? Now, I may not like Trump, but that protest was ridiculous. How can you block a road? Or even like a highway, it looked like. How can you block that?
1: Well, I would run over you. I'm serious.
0: It's funny. All these protests against Trump have done nothing but endear him and make him look like a victim. So everybody who thinks he's a bully and, you know, there's all this negativity around him, you have these protests against him that have so much hate and visceral behind them that it makes him look like the victim, makes him look like he's not the one hating, but the people who hate him are the bad guys. You have that one in Arizona, which I don't, you know, I don't know, what the idea is, but it helped Donald, okay? The one in Chicago helped Donald, whether people think it did or not, because you have the videos coming out afterwards of guys who, black lives activists, anti-Trump, whoever they were, shooting off Uzis and, and nines on video. They videotaped themselves doing it, you know, screaming negative <laughs> things about Trump, and you They're going, oh, my God, he couldn't have just done more, more harm to your own cause. Donald Trump is gaining support because of all the people that are going against them, and all the people going against them are part of the population that people don't like, and they want to vote against because they're the ones who aren't adding anything positive to society. The ones who are actually doing the protesting are not the ones that are that have, you know that are teachers and doctors and cops and all that. They're not. That's the biggest issue. You have a bunch of people who we look at and go, "What are you doing in life?" What is your purpose? And your main purpose is to About go the and. and,
1: and
0: I mean, you're gonna help him. You're gonna, you're gonna worsen your own cause by doing this, and that's what they've done.
1: Yeah, you know when they say bad publicity, um, bad publicity is good publicity. You know you've heard that mm-hmm. before. You of cannot course. turn it on Fox, CNN, anything, read without seeing Donald Trump, and what this says is, is these people that's never voted before? They're like, well, who's this guy? Oh, he's hated because people like to go against people. Like if you, you, everybody's. I'm like the underdog kind of guy. If I see everybody mm-hmm. hating and attacking one man, it makes me want to go towards it. And I think most Americans are like that. And I think a, a lot of Americans are so frustrated with Obama and the Democrats right now that they would do anything to get him out of office. And I think that's why you see this, this explosion. And it's it's because, quote, I hate people that are racist. I hate people that that either way it goes, if you're a racist, I can't stand you. And I think you have so many people that look at Obama in the office because he's a black man, now all of a sudden this white, rich bigot comes in, and now they're trying to support him, and they're getting angry because now the other people are, are coming against Donald Trump, their candidate, that's why you have this kind of violence and stuff because most of the world is racist, Jonathan, if you think about it. (laughs) I mean, that's the truth. It shows you a lot of it.
0: Let's not forget that the head of the KKK backed uh, Hillary Clinton last week. So, you know, people talk about Trump being for hatred. I thought he was
1: Donald Trump. No,
0: he switched his endorsement to Hillary because Hillary has a secret agenda quote unquote to further the KKK's cause. What? I'm not even kidding. I mean I mean that's I mean if that doesn't make a statement I don't know what does.
2: Dear God.
1: See I mean look, let me tell you, if if people would just and I know Trump Trump made a a comment and it he kinda makes these comments that you know, that generalize and make people, like he said, all Muslims need to be gone until they figure it out. That sounds racist, doesn't it, Quinn? I mean, it sounds like very. he hates yeah, Muslims. it sounds and, very bad. And, and the thing I think he's trying to say is, what I think he's trying to say is, you know, these guys hate us. They're killing us. They're terrorists. I mean, he's and, and you can't pick them apart. It's like you can't say which ones are which. So until we figure what's going on out, he's saying, keep him away until we figure something out and it makes him sound like a racist. And uh, I think he really hates ISIS and he's mad and he's, he's wanting to put an end to it. And I believe there's a good chance he could, but I just think it makes him seem like a racist. He's not attacking black people. He's not attacking white people. He's not attacking really Hispanic or or anything. And all the ones he's attacking, the ones that came over anybody illegal this year, that's who he's attacking. And I, I just think a lot of people take that as he's a racist. Is he a racist? Probably. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, deep down, Jonathan, do you think he probably is a racist somewhat? He has to be. I mean,
0: well, I mean, think about the time he grew up in. There, there, there's always that, you know, well, I'm from the North. Well, yeah, okay, that doesn't mean that you can't be a racist. Okay, that, that's an argument that I hate to hear. Um, but, I mean, at, at, at the time he grew up in where – I don't care what what they try to say, the Supreme Court pushed separate but equal and it was separate but equal everywhere. Government buildings everywhere. So, you know, they're they're the generation that he had. you know, he grew up with and the times he grew up in were extremely racist. I mean they were. There there's no getting around that. So do I think he has some? Yeah, do I think Hillary has some? Of course. I mean they all yep. do. that's just how that's they, exactly. they grew up. It's really nothing they can do about it.
1: And Bernie's a racist. Bernie Sanders, you can tell by looking at him, he's a racist.
0: Uh, Ber- Bernie Sanders, I, I don't understand how he has popularity. I really don't. I mean, I get it. He's using some of the same campaign literature that Obama did, free this, free that, and that's going to gain you votes with the, the younger demographic, and that's the larger demographic, so that's what you're trying to win over. So let's, let's promise him free this and free that. And, you know, they hear the word that's free, true. they don't understand that nothing is actually free, but... You know, that, that word says something to them. You know, they don't understand that my tax dollars paper for crap. Well, so, the
2: thing is, 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 what I told my mom is uh, if he wasn't so far left, if he wasn't so far left and more, like, center to more, like, moderate, I maybe would support him just because he's so genuine. And he seems like such a nice guy, but his policies and stuff are just so far Nazi and crazy, I, I can't support him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's I why a lot of people do like him, is because he's genuine and he seems like a really nice guy. Well,
1: I mean, Bernie is, has no chance against Hillary, we know that. That's already been... The only thing he has mm. since he be been indicted, that's, that's going to be the next step, and who's going to win the Republican? I think Trump's going to Honestly, I think he's going to win the Republican nomination because I think he will win, probably 50 to 60 percent. Because Rubio's out, Kasich is not going to get probably 8 percent of the votes. Cruz may get 20, which is going to leave between 50 and 70 for, for Donald Trump. And I think, I don't think we'll have this convention. I think he's going to win at Jonathan. Without that, what do you think? I, I just think Kasich being there is helping Trump more than it is going to hurt him. And I think Cruz realizes that, and Cruz wants it going. But as long as Kasich, Kasich is in there, he's going to be able to get that majority.
0: Yeah, because just stealing votes from uh, from Cruz at the end of the day. That's what uh, a lot of people aren't realizing, um, you know, is that uh, nobody nobody's really stealing votes for Donald. You're going to vote for Donald, you know, if you want to vote for him. At the end of the day, it's become, are you for or against Donald? So if you're for Donald, you're gonna vote for Donald. If you're against him, you're gonna vote for either Kasich or Cruz. If you're voting for Kasich, you're you're helping Donald out. So I, I, I think, you know, Donald can get the necessary number of delegates. I also think Donald's done a phenomenal job of setting up a cabinet and you know, don't don't think he hasn't. He's been doing it the whole time. He's been setting up a great cabinet. Um you know, and you're, you're you're sitting there going, well, who's going to be in my cabinet? Well, let me just start pulling guys that I ran against in the primaries. Let me go ahead and put Ben Carson in there. Let me get Christie. And you're sitting there going, you're sneaky, I and mean, that's sneaky. It's genius. At the same time, you are like, that's that's pretty crafty there. I mean, you know, Donald really wants to just go ahead and lock this thing up. Go ahead and, and make uh, Rubio your VP put Christie in your cabinet, have Carson in there, and everybody's going to look at him and go, well, he's got a plan. Nobody else even knows who the VP is. we got a winner. You know, and that's a that's big thing right now, you know, because there's, like, a debate over who's going to be the Democratic uh, vice president. It depends on uh, whoever gets the election. They kind of know who it's going to be, but, you know, when, you, when you're looking at Donald, it's like he's building a whole staff right now. And that's just, that's unheard of. It's unreal, and it's impressive. And that's one of the things he said he was going to do that he's going to build one of the best sets. He's going to hire the best people for the job. And you know what? Yeah. I believe him right now.
1: Uh, Rubio won't be because I think Trump really doesn't like Rubio. I think Rubio doesn't like him. But I think Trump could still Cruz or Kasich and, and be the VP. You know, let one of them be the VP. I could think Kasich being be a VP more than I could Cruz. Cruz is – I don't know if he would get along with Trump because Trump calls him lying to all the time and lying <laughs> So uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, but politics, I've never seen it. I'm 39, and I've never seen anything like, you know, what's going on. Trump called it a movement. It it is, because I've never seen so many people come out for rallies. Jonathan, everywhere you go, there's 25 to 30, 40,000 people there waiting to hear a man talk. He's popular, I mean, right now, and, and that's why he's winning these elections. I don't care. What CNN's telling you or whatever, he's about to dominate the rest of it, and he's going to be the one going up against Hillary because people know he's the only one that can. Cruz can't beat Hillary. There's no way. Trump's the only shot.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree at this point. I think I think Donald has a great chance to win the election. I think you're looking at, you know, and it's funny, just three months ago I'm sitting there going, I think Rubio or Cruz, their next president, both of them shot themselves in the foot so well. They did such a great job of just killing their own campaigns. So now you're sitting there going, well, it's, it's got to be Donald. You know, and Hillary's biggest problem is everybody's been pulling up footage of the last 15, 20 years of Hillary, but she contradicts herself on every three years. And she flip flopped so many times on so many different issues and things she's for now. She spent 50 years of her life being against. So you know, I think Hillary's own demise is going to be the fact that we have the technology to go back and see all the tapes and see all your previous interviews and see all your crap. Whereas with Donald, everybody this way well, he's not politically correct. That's one thing everybody loves, right? Everybody wants. Everybody's tired of this whole PC era. He's not politically correct at all. He's going to call. It, he's going to call it as it is, which I love. I don't know about y'all, but I love that. Uh, so you know, Donald, he's a successful businessman. <laughs> This this is a guy, you know, and whether you know you look at it with bankruptcy, well, you know, it's a loophole. Bankruptcy for him is a loophole to get out of uh, a bad right off. Okay. You know, so Donald's a great businessman. You know you know he's putting great people around him. And people who say he has no experience in politics, to be that powerful and that successful businessman, you have
2: to have politics. You have you to have a glad hand. But you gotta think, with also being a business man and what kind of business he's in, you gotta you gotta think of how sleazy he might have to be too. And presidents are the same way. So I know you need
0: to be a little sleazy.
1: You can't be you can't be politically correct and and do anything anymore.
2: Oh you no! Know, I'm not talking political correctness. Being sleazy and. Is a lot different than politically correct. Look, all I know well, is I'm I mean, voting for Bobby
0: Bowden to be president. I
1: don't know. Who you I'm heard it here first. For, Bobby but...
0: Bowden for president.
1: Oh God, he's Go the most it. politically correct person there is.
0: <laughs> Bobby, Bobby.
1: Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see, guys. But uh, update real quick. anybody have an update for me in the Notre dame Stephen F. Austin game I know there's the commercial break. What's the score?
2: 42-41 halftime, Notre Dame's winning. VJ Beach, uh, got a buzzer beater before the half ended. So, 42-41, Notre Dame at half. Let's go Lumberjacks. Go, Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> uh oh,
1: uh oh, Quinn. Those are fighting words. So I, I just want to remind everybody before we go. Look, if whoever you vote for, that's your business. I respect whatever you vote for, but vote who you want to vote. Look at look at all the candidates. Measure it out. Which one, which candidate goes to your beliefs the strongest, and vote. Don't. Don't unfriend somebody because they don't have the same political views. Don't call them racist if they if they vote Donald Trump or if they vote Hillary. Look, at the end of the day, the best person will win, and we'll all get behind them and, and support them. And that's what you do. You, you support your president. Right, John? Five out in
0: 2016. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, I mean, you have to support your president. If you don't support your president, there's, there's really no point in you being here. I don't know. I don't care if you don't agree with his policies or not. Look, have there been things I don't agree with Barack about? Yeah, I mean, I, I have Obamacare. It is the greatest joke in the world. I, I it, it pisses me off every day. Um, but, you know, there are certain policies that, you know, he – He's been able to enact that at the same time. You're like, well, you know, at least you didn't do this wrong. So support your president, so your commander chief, it's the guy who's the head of your military. If you piss him off, he can always send them after us.
1: Here, here's something I need to share before we go. We're talking about an idiot, these protesters. Uh, here's a story. Let me get to it. I don't know why it's not pulling up right. idiot fatally shoots himself in the face while taking an anti-Trump selfie. So he, here's a guy, Glenn, that comes in with a loaded gun, trying to shoot Broke Donald. This is what happens. He shoots himself in the face with a loaded gun. What an idiot. He turns actually, to take the a selfie with a gun? With. Yeah, he had a selfie with a loaded gun to his head and shots himself in the face. And
2: oh, unfortunately
1: God. for us, he, he's still alive, I right? uh, <sighs> so think. And, and, and he will he go on to
0: take our tax dollars. He votes He's what he breeds. You know, people like that, you know, that's that's what everyone's talking. You need to put a little bit of bleach in the gene pool.
1: It is
0: right? with <laughs> oh, <laughs> he he the most in the
1: when a man accidentally shot himself in the face while taking a picture. His girlfriend was next to him when the gun went off. The men apparently have been greatly against Donald Trump and many of his selfies included violence and profanity directed for presidential candidate Donald Trump. According to his girlfriend, the photo was supposed to be a joke about killing himself if Donald Trump wore a leg to She told the police this was not his first selfie with a weapon. The fatal accident took place over the weekend. The man whose name has not being released off the gun was unloaded in an attempt to take a selfie while pointing the weapon at himself. The man's girlfriend said the cop was a total selfie with a paint gun on Sunday. Each time, he would unload the gun before taking a picture and then load the bullets back afterwards. However, this was not the case. With the man's last selfie, and apparently he left one fatal bullet inside the chamber before the final post crash.
2: Oh my oh, at God! At least if they are gonna take a selfie with a gun, at least double check that <laughs> it's not loaded. <laughs> this is why hey, people so, do you want know, to Darwinism, think. right? Uh, Darwinism Darwin is not a science.
1: Darwinism.
0: Problem. Survival
1: of the fittest. <laughs> Exactly. He's those a, one of the, one those of the who shouldn't of the be
2: allowed.
0: Mm. How, how will they sway well, this into an, an anti-gun gun gun argument? Who's going to sway this into an anti-gun argument?
2: Obama, i going
1: to get on TV tonight and talk about gun control. If this man had a gun, he wouldn't have shot himself in the face. Well, his mother hadn't reproduced, he wouldn't have been here either. So let's kill him too. How about that?
0: Yeah, the best party is what ran down your mother's leg
1: thing to shoot. Well uh, guys I, I just people. wanted to share that story with you. And look, what Clinton said earlier, she said it best, look, you each First Amendment right, freedom of speech, protest, you can do all that. But when it comes to violence, when it comes to blocking highways, what if what if a pregnant woman was trying to get to the hospital and you had the roads blocked because you were doing that, and she died and laid or something. See, I mean, Quinn, you're right. You can't, you can't protest that way, and these people are taking it to the extreme. And uh, I don't yeah. care what party you are or who you support. Just, you know how you protest? You go to the polls, and you, you vote against the candidates. That's how you protest. All these rallies, all they're doing is fueling the fire of Donald Trump, and these people are too stupid. They realize that. They don't realize something. The more they come against the guy, the more popular he gets. Are they not smart? Yeah, I guess that's it. They're just stupid.
2: Half of you them, know when the they why they hate Donald Trump,
1: hate the races. What?
2: Uh, is when a couple years ago, when Scott Walker for Wisconsin got to be governor, and they put him up because. The Democrats weren't happy with what he was doing about what he said he would do about the unions so then so then they protest so then they took like three days off of work teachers did and went up to Madison, the state capitol, and they had like a re, i forget they had a recall, yeah, recall,
0: yeah and
2: then uh, and then they. The Democrats, union for making such a big deal, and then you won again. Uh, it kind of reminds me, of, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that with Trump because of just the big uproar that happened. Well, and, let me let me say this to
0: tie it all together because we are a sports show. The more hate you put towards Donald Trump, the more popular he gets. Well, I. I would say that has gone the same way with Alabama football and Duke and Kentucky basketball, wouldn't you? Their fan base seems to get yeah. larger as the detractors seem to get more and more uh, outward. You know, Miami football back in the day, one of the most hated programs, one of the largest, well, at least one of the largest fan bases, as they claim, don't show up to the games. Uh, so, I, I think there's a correlation there. You know, if y'all are against them, they're going to find a way to beat you. Every time, man. Every time. Yeah. Yep.
2: All the bang. That's,
1: that's, exactly, that's exactly what's happening. Well, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. It's been fun. Talk some basketball, football. We talk some politics. That's exactly what we. That's why. That's how you know college football in the NFL is not on right now. That's how you know when we start talking Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, uh, Jonathan even brought up the KKK. You know, and I'm I'm talking about I'm talking about people shooting themselves at rallies over here and or doing selfies. You know. Football slow. So hopefully the draft will come soon and we can can start talking about what's going on in football. But guys, enjoy the games, the rest of the games, enjoy your bracket, and we'll see you next Sunday. Or probably before that, so we can go over the C-16 matchup. Awesome. Sounds great. All right. See
2: you guys. See See you.